Okay, we're going to look at uh, chapter 9 today in 1 Corinthians. We're in lesson 15. We're going to talk about the sacrifice of freedom. Now, just even that title rubs, rubs, goes against the grain with us. Okay, rubs us wrong. Uh, because we, especially as Americans, we like to have the concept that I have freedom to do whatever I want to. And uh, so I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? And those are principles that we are, have, as a society, have been founded on and so forth. And so the concept of giving up my freedom or the ability to do what I want to do is really foreign to us. But to be honest with you, when you talk about giving up freedom, while we have freedom in Christ, Christianity actually communicates that we need to learn to give up our freedoms. And you say, what? Yeah, give up our freedoms for the sake of other people. Okay? For the sake of other people. So we're going to look at this together. So uh, let's, uh, let's focus, first of all, on Paul's personal sacrifice. So I want you to notice with me verse 19 through 23 of chapter 9. Here's what the apostle writes, okay? For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself, not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. All right, so let's talk about what he's talking about here. I mean, these are passages that we're familiar with. Sometimes we're familiar with things, but we don't really think about what's being said. So let's, let's think about what he's saying here, okay? So the first thing I want you to notice is that uh, Paul voluntarily gave up his right for the sake of others. He was willing to give up what he wanted for the sake of other people. Now, that is so countercultural, Okay? Especially in, an, in our age where everybody wants, you know, it's, it's what I want, period, and you just have to deal with it. Paul's attitude was completely different. Paul was willing, all right, so first of all, he talks about he was willing to subject himself to the law of the Jews for their sake. So if he wanted to reach Jews, it's easy for him because he is a Jew. He acted as a Jew, Okay. So for a, for a Jew, I became a Jew. Why? To reach them, okay? 
to reach them. He was also willing to set aside the tradition of the Jews to reach Gentiles. So whatever it took to reach a Gentile, he was willing to do that. Now I think it's interesting, when you look at three groups here, there are three groups in this passage that he talks about. And I think this is interesting. He talks about, for the Jew, he became a Jew. Then he says, for those under the law, he placed himself under the law. Then those outside of the law, he what? He was outside of the law. Now, we know who's outside of the law, right? Gentiles. We understand Jews. Who's he talking about when he says those under the law? Who's he talking about? Well, Jews, but a certain type of Jew. Pharisees. That's exactly right, Mike. Pharisees. Now, what was it about Pharisees and the law with them? What was, what was it about these folks? Very strict in their following of the law. Now, some of them came to know Christ, right? And when they came to know Christ, did they all of a sudden loosen up? No, if, if ever. And so then they wanted to what? Impose the law on everyone else. That's why some of the big arguments in the New Testament are about should Gentiles keep the law? It's because these folks were raising it. Now what Paul's saying here is, look at this, I think this is interesting. He was willing to do whatever to reach whatever group. For with just a Jew, he would be a Jew. For those who were Jewish who were under the law, he was willing to be under the law. But for those outside of the law, he was willing to be outside. Now, what do you think the implications are for us? Okay, Bruce said, meet people where they are. Anybody else? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right, that's good, Mike. So you mentioned he, there was so much tradition. And so for the Pharisee, they lived a lot according to the traditions. Okay? And so for, for not just with any Jews, because not all Jews lived according to the traditions, right? But there were certain Jews that did. So for those Jews, he lived according to what? The traditions. Yeah, the law. Okay. Now the implication is this. Do you meet different types of people? You meet different types of Christians? Yeah, every day, right? Are some Christians more strict than you? Gene says, oh my, yeah. Okay. Okay, yes, right? Okay. Do you, I sometimes find it irritating when I'm with people who are really traditional and legalistic. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, man, I don't want to live under that bondage. But Paul's attitude is, I'm trying to reach people. So for the sake of that one, I'll be okay with that one with his traditions. I won't be bound by them, but for the sake of reaching them, do you understand what I'm saying? I'll do what I have to do. That's his attitude here. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's his attitude. He, he's willing to set aside his own personal preference 
to reach people. Did you understand what I'm saying? To reach people. So he's willing to set aside those traditions to reach people for Christ. Now why? He was willing to give up his rights for the spiritually immature. That's really what the issue is. We've been talking about that anyhow before, haven't we? You know, about meat offered to idols. If you're mature, you realize an idol isn't anything. I'm going to enjoy that steak. But for somebody who just came out of paganism and he realizes that that, that steak came from the temple because it was part of a sacrifice given to Zeus, I can't eat that steak. Well, Paul says in my maturity, I'm going to give up eating steak that day when I'm with that person because I'm concerned about what? That person. This, this is a whole different mindset here. This is a mindset of considering others before yourself. Okay? Considering others before yourself. And so his whole purpose here, he did this so that the gospel would be heard by as many people as possible. That's the whole reason why he's doing this. He did this so that he could uh, allow the gospel to be heard by as many people as possible. That's why he's doing it. He's not doing it for what can I get out of life. He's doing it so that other people come to know Jesus. That's the whole purpose of why he's doing it. Now look with me at verse 24 through 27, okay? Through the end of the chapter. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now you're probably thinking, wow, he just changed the subject here. What in the world is he talking? I thought we were just talking about giving up freedoms. And now he's talking about his whole aim, his purpose, why he does what he does. Well, he's going to talk about running the race. And here's the things I want you to see here, okay? All right, here's what I want you to notice. First of all, the focus of an athlete is the prize. Everybody agree with that? You know, when somebody, we're going to have the Super Bowl here, what, next weekend? Those guys are going to run out on the field. They're not there to just look good, right? Some of them maybe think they are, but I mean, they're, they're, they're there to what? Win the Super Bowl. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? They're there to win the Super Bowl. When a, when a person is doing a marathon, they're not there just to sweat. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not just there to go through the motions for nothing. They're trying to achieve something. Maybe it's beat their own record, or maybe if they're really good, try to win the thing, okay? But the point is, is that they're doing it for a purpose, all right? That's the focus, is the prize. Paul is calling the reader to live life with such a focus. He's calling you and I to live our lives with the focus of what's right. And what would that focus be? What did you say, Gene? 
Well, to win that person or anyone to Christ, right? I'm, I'm living my life for who? For Christ and for others, rather than living it for who? Myself. Because let, let's be honest, it's easy to default to living for myself, right? You know, it's, it's easy to default there. But the reality is, is that you understand that it's not about you. So for instance, if you, if you enter into a marriage relationship and then you end up with a family later on, you know, one of the hard things for young couples when they get married is learning that it's not about you anymore, right? Well, especially when you get older in your marriage and especially when you have kids, especially when kids come along, you realize real quick, it isn't about you anymore. Do you, do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? It's not about you. And, and a lot of times when, it, when you think it is about you, you actually create problems. Well, life, that's just a, a reflection of what life is like. The same thing is true in Christianity. Christianity, your walk with Jesus, isn't about you. It's about him. And you responding to the salvation that he gave you by serving him and then wanting others to know him. Did you understand what I'm saying? So he's calling us to live our lives with such a focus. Focus on what? Christ, the relationship. The athlete will discipline his life to win a, win a race, okay? The athlete will do what he has to do. So you guys know that tomorrow I'm not going to enter into any local marathon around here, right? I'm just going to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run how long is the marathon, Bruce? Yeah, 26.2. I, I couldn't even run 26.2 feet, okay? You know that I, I'm not in shape to do that, okay? You know, maybe a hot dog eating contest, but not, you know, not, not, uh, not, a, not a marathon, okay? I'm not practiced for that. But an athlete disciplines his life to what? Do the race, to run, right? You and I need to do the same thing. An athlete will give up the things of life to win. He'll give up the things of life to win. Yeah, that, that's, I guess, a real important point here. Because let's, let's be honest, some of the things that we focus on, that we get fixated on, if I only had this, if I, I mean, you drive your entire life to it, then have you noticed that when you get it, it really isn't the satisfying thing that you thought it would be? 10 minutes. Wow, Gene, that's a long time. Yeah, if you're lucky, 10 minutes. Do you understand what I'm saying? The stuff that we strive for, do you, do you know what I'm saying? The, the stuff that we want, we try to achieve, it's only momentary. It doesn't even bring the satisfaction. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so sometimes it's okay to give up things for something better, for something bigger. So an athlete will give up things in life. So the athlete races for that which is temporary. Now, this is where Paul wants to distinguish things. So with an athlete, it's temporary, right? So I always think it's interesting, you know, we're during football season, high school football season, who makes the playoffs, who wins, all right? What, how long does that last? 
maybe a month, then we're what? Talking about the next season, right? Or, or better yet, how about hunting? You know what I'm saying? Hunting, and you, you get that buck. How long does that last? What's that? Till it's all gone, yeah, 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 until there's dust gathering on the rack that's in your, in your room, right? You know what I'm saying? And then you're what? Out the next season wanting what? Another buck, a bigger buck, or is there such thing, or maybe there is, or a different kind, or whatever, okay? There's no satisfaction in things in life, but an athlete is doing it. He's racing, but it's only temporary, but we're, do, we're racing. Paul tells his reader that we're racing for the eternal, This is why. So listen, why, why this discussion about what we're racing for, what we're striving for? Well, it gets back to the whole issue of what you're willing to give up. It's you giving up your, your freedoms for the sake of others. Because your focus is on what? What matters what, and not what, what doesn't matter. You're saying what I want doesn't matter? Ultimately, it doesn't. Did you know what I'm saying? Ultimately, it doesn't. What matters is what should matter. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, being a pastor now for 30 years, I've, I've been with folks as they get ready to depart this world. And, you know, I, I once read someone say, you've never heard anybody ask for more time in the office. What do folks focus on when they're ready to go? Family, yeah. More time with their loved ones. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? More time with others. It's not what, I missed that vacation, didn't achieve the bucket list, whatever that is. That stuff is meaningless. What matters is people, right? And Paul says, I'm willing to give up what is mine because my focus is on God and others and wanting others to know who? The Lord. Did you understand what I'm saying? That, that's where he's at here. So he tells his readers that they are racing for the eternal, okay? They're racing for the eternal. Now, so what do we do? Paul raced the race with a certainty of the future. Okay, so we should have a certain future here, right? If you know Jesus, you have a certain future, right? What is your certain future? Eternal life with Christ. When you go to see him, what's the first thing going to come out of his mouth when he sees you? Yeah, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're going to be shocked at that because you're going to think, how was I well? No, no, it's, it, I think all of us are going to hear that, Okay. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Though he yet stumble, he'll not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God has laid out your life. To him who overcomes, I will do this, he says in Revelation. You know, so the reality is, is you and I have a certain future. We're going to be with him. So this is, this is what you need to understand. You've got a certain future. Paul brought his body and his desires into subjection. Do you understand? He brought them into subjection. Do you understand uncontrolled desires? You guys understand that? Hopefully you do. Because we all wrestle with them, right? 
Sometimes our uncontrolled desires take, take, take us over, right? That's where we come into addictions, right? Where, where a person who is struggling with addiction can't get control of his desires. It's just consuming him. It's controlling him. Paul said he brought his body and what? It's desires into subjection. Now, what, again, what does this have to do with freedom? Well, he's willing to give up his freedom, do whatever, for the sake of others. And why? Because here it is. Paul did, Paul did this so that nothing would hinder the spread of the gospel. Period. That nothing would hinder the spread of the gospel. Can I be honest with you? I want you to think about people who are around you on a daily basis. I want you to think about people that are in your family that don't know Jesus. Can I tell you what the biggest hindrance to them concerning the gospel is? Anybody know what it might be? Huh? Hypocrisy. Okay. All right. Hypocrisy in the life of others. Okay. All right. Anybody else? I heard fear. Did I hear somebody say fear? Okay. Fear. All right. Anybody else? Pride. Rob says pride. Someone, you know, with, with Bruce, the hypocrisy, maybe some scandal that they saw on TV with some preacher or something or whatever. Maybe that's a big hindrance. I, I'll be on. Huh? Maybe something observed in your life, yes. Okay, and, and that's where I was going to say the biggest hindrance actually are the Christians around them, which includes you and I. Inconsistency, selfishness. Do you understand? Hypocrisy, double standards, you know what I'm saying? Judgmental spirit, you name it. We can keep going on and on and on. You are the most people will ever see of a true Christian. Did you ever think of that? So the question is, how are you living your life before them? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Those, yeah, those tendencies, those things, yeah. Some of that might be nature, some of that might be nurture, but yes, those get passed on, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest with you. So if you see a family that has many generations of alcoholism, and they do exist, addictive behavior gets passed along. Do you understand what I'm saying? Addictive behavior gets passed along, and you understand that. Okay, so I'll be vulnerable with you. Okay, so everybody, I've told you before, I grew up in a house of an alcoholic. I don't drink alcohol because I don't, I don't try to find a spiritual reason not to drink alcohol. I have a spiritual reason not to get drunk. I don't drink alcohol because I understand who I am. I understand my, my nature, my background, and my tendency towards what? Addiction. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have addictions, George? Yeah. Yeah, I drive to Sheets every day for, for a 32-ounce unsweetened tea. Rob says two of them. Okay, yes, okay. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That, 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 that's addictive. I have a tendency, okay? It could be a drive to Sheets if I wasn't careful with myself for a 32-ounce beer. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? 
we, we have those things. And so the reality is you and I, whether we realize it or not, we like to say, oh, well, you know, it's that preacher. My kids were interested, but they're not interested. It was that. No, no, the biggest influence for Christ is you. It isn't the church. The biggest influence is you. Now, again, it's a hard issue. Do you understand? It's a hard issue, okay? Whether or not somebody is, is, want, is willing to listen or not, because you can be the right person before them, still ultimately a hard issue, and they have to answer it for themselves. But the, the big issue is, what kind of person are you? Do you understand what I'm saying before them? That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying here, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be the kind of person that in any way hinders anyone from coming to, to know Jesus. Do you understand? And that, that's really the focus here. Now, next week, we're going to get into chapter 10, and he's going to talk about idolatry.